Welcome to I'm Not Dead Yet with Judy and Travis, a podcast about living an extraordinary life with extraordinary circumstances. Welcome to the I'm Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your co-host, Travis Robinson. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at age 35 in 2014. And I'm your other co-host, Judy Yaris. My husband, Sandy, had Parkinson's disease for 18 years. I was his care partner. Today's episode, we'll be talking about perseverance and what it takes to accomplish larger goals. I love this topic. Hey, Judy, how you doing? I'm good, Travis. How are you doing? I am reasonably happy. I have finished my second final and I've got two more left to go. That's fantastic. I am so proud of you. It's it's an amazing feat that you have gone back to school and you're plowing through it and you're taking you're not just you didn't just go back to school to do things like art which you love but you're taking other classes and you're having to get through math classes and and other things that are very challenging for you that take a different kind of brain power than what you're used to amen to that and that's not easy when you have Parkinson's. No, it's sure not. So how do you do this? How do you, you set the goal that you were going to go back to school. And I feel like I remember a couple quarters back, you had taken such a heavy load. And then you realized a few weeks into it that it was an unrealistic expectation that you set for yourself. Yes, and I've had to drop a few classes on the way, but I am very, very close to finishing with two degrees. That's fantastic, Travis. It's so amazing that you've done this. I'm so proud of you. It's it's really incredible. And I know you're proud of yourself as well. I am a bit, yes. Yeah, it's a major accomplishment to do this. And I think the idea of setting goals long-term bigger goals than, oh, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to go to the gym. <laughs> We're looking at at life goals and things that are so much bigger than ourselves. Right, that take multiple years to accomplish. Right, and that, I think, is the kicker. 
I think, is being able to look back. Like when you started this, what's it been? Two and a half, three years now? Two and a half years? Four. Four years. Okay. When you started this four years ago and you were setting this goal for yourself and you could see that during this period, your Parkinson's really shifted. Yes. And sometimes very dramatically, sometimes not as dramatically, but that you were able to keep your eye sort of on the prize. You you knew that if you consistently worked at it and you didn't have to work fast, you just gave yourself permission to take as much time as you needed to get it done. Am I right on that? Yes, and that was something that I went back and forth on, Judy, was how long it would take because my instinct is to front load this sort of thing and plow in there saying, okay, I've got to take this, 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 and this. Oh, look, they're offering them all in this semester. (laughs) Okay, I will sign up. But there have been several semesters when even just full-time load is almost too much. Right, I know that. I know it's been challenging for you. And because of the way you work, I think you're a very meticulous artist certainly with your photography, and you have expectations for yourself of what you want to produce. And I think that's that's sort of in keeping with what I was saying to you earlier. We were having a short conversation before we started recording. And I think, what do we say to ourselves when we set these expectations? And how do we manage it when we see that the expectation that we've set maybe is a little too lofty, you know, and that we have to adapt a little more. Right. When do we uh, call and throw in the towel? And when do we accept uh, the dark? original scope of the work is uh, not going to be accomplishable given the amount of time that we have. Right. Yeah. For me, it's A running case of triage. I know damn well that I won't get 
every single assignment done completed on time. So I take a look at the syllabus and pick and choose those assignments which are worth more. Mm, that's a good strategy. And do you talk to your professors about it? I mean, do you have a rapport with most of them now? Yes, very much so. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, that you have you've laid the groundwork for yourself to be successful with this. Exactly. So it's not that different than climbing Mount Whitney, right? <laughs> right. Just over a longer period of time. You're using your same principles of preparedness and readiness as to how you're going to approach it. So there's strategy in your taking these classes, which I think that most people, when you go to college, certainly when if you were going straight from high school, there's, there's very little strategy for most students. But I, and I do think that when people go back to school, they are more thoughtful about what they do and more in tune with what they are seeking for themselves. Right. But I but I don't know that they strategize quite as much as you do. No, and they don't have to. But I have to if I want to even make it out of bed. So right. I just apply that same principle. Mm -hmm. It's just what you have to do. It's how you operate for success. Yes. Well, that's good. You've clearly paved the way and you've done this now for four years and you're almost done. Are you going to give yourself a break after this, the next quarter when it's done? Yes, I've applied to a four-year university, but only for the fall of 2024. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So you'll give yourself some time. Yes, a much-needed time. <laughs> and how do you see yourself filling that? Um, with a lot of sleep and uh, some pickleball and uh, some more artwork. I have a couple of photo projects and my mind that I just need 
time to accomplish. That's great. That's really good. I'm glad to hear that. I, I think you are well entitled to it. I think for myself, when I finish something, I, I've really accomplished something that is so big and monumental. It's almost harder for me to give myself permission to take downtime from that. I'm better than I used to be. I used to finish a project and go, okay, now what's the next one? But I'm starting to see that there's value to stepping back. And And giving yourself the perspective. Yes, that's exactly it. And also acknowledging what I accomplished. Because I think as a younger person, when I was so driven in my workaholic behavior, I think that I, it was just never enough. No matter how much I did and how much I accomplished, I always felt, well, this could have been, I could have done more. This could be better. And now I'm learning to go, this is good, or this is great, or this is amazing, or this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be, but I'm still okay with that. Yes. Or even, this is as good as I can give it today. Yes, there we go. And being okay with that, accepting that. Yep. I think that's part of it, is we have to accept who we are, and when we're in a situation, do a quick analysis and just say, okay, this is it. This is part of mindfulness, of being in the moment, of not thinking ahead and not thinking to the past. But just being, you know? Yes, and I think that self-awareness is so critical because if we constantly are overestimating ourselves, and our limitations, sooner or later, we're going to bite off more than we can chew and choke on that. (laughs) Absolutely. No question about it. And is Sarah pleased that you're going to finish up now? I'm sure she's probably happy. (laughs) Silly question. Yes. Silly indeed. Um, Yeah, she's looking forward to being able to take vacation when the rest of the world is still in school. Right. I know that's a big challenge with it because you've only been available during vacation time when everyone else is on vacation. Yep. 
and that and I know you always used to travel on the off time, so it, it does make it a little stickier for you guys. Yes, indeed. Well, that's good. But you know, part of it has been turning um turning liabilities into assets. I've done two film projects. No, actually three specifically on my PD or on difficulties I have as a working artist because of my PD. So it's like, well, I've got these challenges no matter what I can record them and change that into a storytelling piece. (laughs) Which will be helpful to others, Travis, that have PD and somehow don't see that they can set goals for themselves or accomplish anything monumental in their life now that they have PD. Yes, and it has also been valuable to share with my classmates, (laughs) most of whom are younger, many of whom I've never met a person with PD, or if they have, it has been a grandparent or somebody older. So the idea that a person could be a young onset And what that looks like has been pretty eye-opening for them. Yes. I think it's amazing that you've got this awareness that you have now started with all these young people that you're at school with. Yup. One-man PR campaign. (laughs) Well, it's working. I mean, I I think the fact that they can see that you are able to to create the art that you create and have the conversation with them about it and to be cognitive enough to be able to discuss it and and have a the it's really the elements of your art. I know I recently um I know you have things up in a gallery right now in Altadena, right? Yes, at the Altadena Public Library. Right. And I'm going to get up there this week and try to see it because it's just, I want to be able to see. I've seen, if I know it's your Faces of Parkinson's project. Yeah. And I want to get up in, and I've seen it on a wall and it's spectacular and very impactful. 
And uh, I would like to see it in another venue, and that's exciting for me. But I think for people to understand what's behind that and what it took for you to create that, to create 27 images, was not an easy feat over, and it was really over, I want to say, was it an eight-month period or four-month period? You started talking about it eight months before it actually happened. June, actually, it was a June through September. Three months you created, right? In three months, you got all of the yes. photographs. The And it's not just photographs. I, I want our listeners to know it's not just photographs. They are photographs that are then laser cut and then screened onto paper. Almost their photographs lasered into wood. Oh, right. And then be woodblock printed. There we go. I was close, right? Yes. So it's not just taking a picture. It's not just playing with Photoshop on a computer, which I'm not making light of that either because that is very difficult to do Photoshop. But what you're doing is is so much more and it really is impactful when you see it. So for any of our listeners that are in the Los Angeles, Pasadena, east part of LA, definitely try to go see it because I think you will be really surprised, pleasantly surprised at how wonderful it is. Yes, it's there until December 30th. Great. Well, Travis, I think you've made great strides with this project. And and if there's a listener out there that wants to show this this exhibition somewhere else, let Travis know. Let me know. Yeah. He's happy to take it on the road. I think it would be great. So people can really see what Parkinson's looks like. That's how it started off. It was just in a conversation. What does Parkinson's look like? Yeah. And does it meet the expectation? Or do we have expectations about what this disease looks like. Well, clearly we do. Clearly anyone that has been impacted by it, whether it's been by a parent or a spouse or a friend, they definitely have impact with it. And I think it's it has different face. I mean, it does have different faces, but it can look very different to di- to the outside world. Yes. And I think when people talk about Parkinson's, they talk about shaky old white men. I think and we've already decided and established through lots of studies that it's not just shaky old white men. Yes, there are some shaky young white men, too. Yes. 
and shaky men of color and shaky women. And I think that hopefully this idea of awareness of what Parkinson's is will start to get more on the agenda of our political figures to get more money coming in, not just for research, but for services, because that's where it's really hard. Yes, that is where the um, rubber means the road for folks who are living with this damn disease. I know. But we're making headway, and we're getting it out there, and that's what's important. People are talking about it. It's been on TV shows. They have more characters that have PD. And so, you know, I think that it's there's more conversations happening in, than there were 10 years ago and certainly 20 years ago. Yes, and our podcast has reached number 210 on the United States philosophy chart. <laughs> I think so. that's pretty awesome. So that's pretty cool. We're on the charts, Travis. This is pretty good. Yep, we're getting our news out there as well. So that's good. We just have to keep on plugging. And I think I've said this before, and I, I reached out to listeners to say, you know, if there's something you want to hear about, something again that you'd like to hear about that we've already covered. Like, I think that, you know, I, I'm sure that there's some of our early listeners are curious about how your smell is working for you, the smell test, if you have been able to even do it while you're in school. And is it about the same? Has it increased? Has it decreased? Um, so I can give you all a quick tease and say that my sense of smell has changed, but it is still working. Wow. And more will be discussed in a future episode. Great. That's great. Because I'm sure people would like to know. Everybody wants updates. Yup. All right, Travis. Well, that's the sound of my poodles barking their heads off. So I've got to bid you adieu. All right. Happy trails. That's a wrap. Bing!